just before you're seated, if I could have caught Katie, I would have caught her too, but I'm so proud of these guys. We probably asked Noah to sing and be part of the team for three or four or five years. We got a lot of no's from Noah before he finally uh, said yes and yes to Jesus, and I am so proud of all of this team leading worship. Will you just let them know how much you love them? Thank you, Rick. Also, uh, you can be seated. Let's, uh, let's keep our applause going if we can. Welcome all those joining us online today. So glad that you are with us. I see uh, we, we, every week we have hundreds of people online, but I noticed specifically this morning, Brittany, uh, that you were in Texas, and I saw some of your posts, uh, but I had woke up this morning thinking about the Stovers, and so just seeing you guys were able to be online today, I love you very much my rich friends with all the big barns. Uh, that's what my kids call them. Uh, they have all these barns, and my little guys are like, they're rich, Dad. Look at all the barns they have. Uh, but love you guys. Arenda Miller uh, is online. Uh, Snyder's in Georgia. Uh, the list goes on, and we are so glad that you guys are You're with us today. Today is a big day uh, for us. We have Mount Vernon uh, moving to mornings for the first time. They're in the high school today, so we're really excited about Storyside Mount Vernon. Bucyrus uh, set one of their uh, top attendance records last weekend. How awesome is that? In Bucyrus last weekend, we celebrate that. <laughs> pastor Kristen, our uh, worship pastor, she is with uh, 35 of our dream team right now. They met at 9 o'clock this morning in Ontario for our prep, our run-through. Uh, we start next week in Ontario uh, so there's 35 of them there right now going through a tune-up in Ontario, and I will be joining them uh, this afternoon after our second service here. So we had a lot of things happening today. Uh, we have our Dream Team meeting tonight for our Easter weekend preparation, and I just love it. Anytime that you have all of these people and teams in Ontario and Mount Vernon, we've had some families that went to Mount Vernon today to celebrate the new time, uh, new space and place. And you just look around the room and still see all of you amazing people left. Uh, this is incredible. So great day today. And we're praying for all of those places. How many knows uh, that it's worth it? We believe it's going to be more than one, but it's worth it for one. If one person gets saved, one marriage turns around, one individual finds freedom, it's worth it. Uh, it's worth it. And so uh, we celebrate today. I want to encourage you to grab a yard sign. Uh, on your way out, if you will, if, especially if you are on a road, you know, if you're at a dead end and, and have no neighbors, no friends, uh, just kidding. The mailman won't even come. He like leaves it out there somewhere. You go get it. Uh, maybe the yard sign isn't for you, but if you have traffic where you're at and you would like to take a yard sign uh, for Easter, our Easter series is starting today. Uh, but if you want to get one of these and help us uh, share the good news of Jesus Christ. We also have these touch cards that you receive uh, with all of the information. They say, so the number is 92%. They say 92% of people would consider uh, coming to a church service if they were invited by a trusted friend. In other words, they, they may get an invite from me and be like, ah, I'm not sure. But if, if it was someone they know, you work with them, you go to school with them, 92% if it came from a trusted friend. So I know sometimes people can think, well, you know, that's the preacher's job or, you know, God's spirit, you know, needs to draw them. 
Actually, the Bible says in this new covenant Kelly talked about, I loved our communion time today, uh, that God gives you the power to witness, that you have the power to witness. And so I just want to challenge you. I've shared this before when Andrew brought uh, Simon, and Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter. When Andrew brought Simon, he didn't really say much. He just brought him, and then Jesus did the name change. Jesus uh, done the work. And so don't over-talk. You don't have to understand Greek and Hebrew. You don't have to say too much. Uh, it could be as simple as a yard sign or an invite card or sharing a social media post or, or just reaching out to, to a friend. Uh, you, don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to do all of the work. We'll believe God's going to do the work. I've seen people that showed up in a service like this that didn't even want to be here, and God's Spirit touched them and done something special. And so we're not God. Uh, all we can do is our part and believe He's going to do His part. And so I just want to ask you if you would be part uh, of sharing about our Easter celebrations. We are starting our series today, uh, and we're going to be talking the next three weekends. We've entitled it Crossed. Everyone say crossed. Uh, let's say that word one more time, crossed. The Easter story is filled with crosses. We have Christ's cross that you see here. We see the two crosses for a thief on either side of Jesus. But in the Easter story, we won't have time in the next three weekends. There's, there are examples of people who had thoughts that crossed their mind. Some people actually changed their mind. There was people that was part of the crucifixion that in the moment, in those hours, they changed their mind. And so there was crossing of the mind. There, there is very unique things. We, we have read as a, as a study team, I have a team that will study with me and the location pastors and we have spent probably now three or four days, six and eight hours probably a day that we have been gathered reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, just worship music playing and what is jumping out to you in the Gospels of, of Calvary and the crosses from this angle and, and writing down a plethora of ideas and trying to, in that moment of prayer and, and preparation, like what, what does StorySide need to hear this Easter? And as we have been as we have been spending that time together, we have been drawn to the, the cross paths, uh, angles of, of the Easter story, like all the people that crossed paths when this was happening. There are uh, crosses that are carried in the Easter story. When we, when we look at the word crossed, uh, there are people who quit on the cross. I heard the joke about little Maria Maria, just a little girl, she came home from kids ministry and it was actually Palm Sunday, but she came home and told her mother that she had heard a new song about a cross-eyed bear named Gladly and it took her mother a moment to realize that Maria had actually heard them sing the hymn at church, Gladly the Cross-Eyed Bear. Um, that's not funny. Some of you are like, I still don't get it. Um, Go back to the blonde jokes, Pastor Micah. Okay, I will next week. Since you ask, I will next week. Um, so my pastor's wife uh, is actually blonde. I'm in Canada last week speaking, and he texts and says, hey, stop by the room, room 405. And so I stop by the room, and when I walk in the room, they have the David against 
you know, overcoming Eliab, Saul. Remember that message just a couple weeks ago? Somebody's like, nope, must not have been good. I don't remember. Uh, but anyway, they had it playing on the podcast. And so when I walk in, the first thing Pastor Sheila tells me is like, you're blonde jokes. So there's people calling me out on it all over the world. Um, that's not funny. Today, I want to talk to you in the next 20 or 25 minutes about crossing the line. Crossing the line. There's a lot of crossed. There's a lot of crosses. I want to talk to you about crossing the line. The story that we're going to look at today is about a man that had warning signs. He had gut checks. And yet he still forged ahead with his decision anyhow. This man, his name is Pilate. This man, actually in one point of the story, has his wife send a message to him while he is on the judgment seat, which we don't have time for a historical lesson in its entirety right now, but for her to be so stirred, so moved to send a message to him while he was seated on the judgment seat would be uncalled for. And she sends this message to him and tells him, I don't want you to do anything to this man called Jesus Christ. You would find that part of the story in Matthew 27. I heard the joke speaking of how just, I hate, you know what, I was going to have you raise your hands. I'm not going to have you raise your hands. I was going to say how many men have wives that have told you not to do something, you've done it anyway, and they were right, but never... I just I, I saw Steve Barr down here squirming, and I'm just not I'm not going to do that to you guys. She tells Pilate not to do it, and he does it anyhow. He does it anyhow. I heard uh, the statement that arguing with your wife is like reading the software license agreement. At the end, uh, you just ignore everything and click I agree. Um, <laughs> They say that when your wife looks at you and says, what? It's actually not because she didn't hear you. She's actually giving you a chance to change what you said. <laughs> Pilate's wife is actually going to send him this message on the judgment seat. And she is going to use words in her message that is sent. She's going to say, don't have anything to do with this just man. Some translations and gospels would say that she told him, don't have anything to do with this innocent man. And yet Pilate decides to move forward anyways. Matthew chapter 27 Verse 17 says, so when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, this is one of the worst things that any of us could do, we're talking about cross the line, is start to go by popular opinion. Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus was called the Messiah, for he knew, everyone say he knew, Let's say that again, he knew, he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. I would submit to you today that we often become like the people to whom we listen. 
well, someone on my job said, someone at school said, well, I was talking to Aunt, and she said, Pilate, in this story, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's the first four books of the New Testament. We call them the Gospels or the good news of Jesus Christ. It's these four individuals that are going to write about what they saw, what they noticed in the stories and travels of Jesus. When you read them, you are going to come up with the same summary that we did after multiple days, and that is that Pilate was controlled by the crowd. The crowd cannot always be trusted. Just, just because you have the majority at the gym that agrees with you, that still does not mean you should trust the crowd. Just because everyone at your family reunion is like, well, I think you should, and I don't like, and in my opinion, that does not mean that the crowd can be trusted. He says, Bible writes here in, in Matthew, Matthew tells us that, that Pilate knew. He knew better. But instead of today just being about pointing the finger at Pilate, I want to pause just for a moment today to give you the opportunity to join me in saying that there have been numerous times that I too knew better. And I'd done it anyhow. If we were to hold up our phones today, and if the Holy Spirit was to expose every snap, every deleted picture, every deleted text, every deleted conversation. You know, gossip, slander, backbiting, dishonor, you know all of those things are scripturally wrong? And yet just that little phone alone would be filled. I know you held it up for giving. We could hold it up for repentance right now. Things that have been watched, things that have been looked at, things that have been said, things that have been texted, that you knew better. Done it anyway. I know people that I have sat with in my office that if I was to explain marriage to them, if I was to explain the importance of God joining together and commitment, it's not a trial run. It's not like let's get an apartment and give it a shot and, you know, if in a month or two or three or four it changes, well, at least we won't have to do a disillusion and waste all that money. And if I was to sit in the office and tell you biblically the importance of marriage in God's eyes, and yet I've had some people walk out of the office and still not do what the Bible would encourage them to do, even though they knew better. You see, it's not just Pilate. It's you and I. We knew we shouldn't have went there. We knew we shouldn't have told the joke. We knew we shouldn't have watched it. 
You knew that you could struggle. I'm just going to have one drink. I'm just, it's, you know, it's just a social thing, Mike. I, it's just, this is my buddies. It's not a big deal. You know how many times, you know how many times my phone has rang with people that are crying and upset and sorry to call so late, Pastor? But in the conversation, even if they didn't use the words, they sort of referenced the words for sure. I knew better. And I'd done it anyhow. James chapter 4, verse 17 says, Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do. And then not do it. Well, I know I should. I know I should forgive them. I, I know that Bible stuff. I, I know I, I shouldn't be negative. I shouldn't be critical. I know I shouldn't gossip. I, like, I know, but we all have a little pilot in us. Pilot has pressure points. Pressure points are places of sensitivity that can easily manipulate us. That when the pressure gets on and you get to that room, that gathering, that party, that, that environment, you, when we say pilots controlled by the crowd, how many of us have got in the crowd, in the locker room, in the lunchroom, in the moment, and all of a sudden the pressure point, all of a the sudden, they, they maybe weren't squeezing your arm behind your back, but the pressure started setting in. Come on, pilot. Let's have a few moments today to just tell the truth and admit that there are times that we knew better. Pilate is responsible to the Roman Empire to keep the people subdued, to deal with any insurgents that is a threat to the Roman Empire, and this crowd is out of control. Roman law is at stake. And so Pilate needs to be politically correct. It's his job. But just because something is politically correct does not mean that it is spiritually sound. Not only does he have political pressure. Everyone say political pressure. Well, you can't say that, Micah. You, can, you can't say that. Do you know what the government would do? Do you know what tax exempt would do? Do you know what nonprofits would do? Do you know what? There's a little pilot still kicking around in 2019. Political pressure. Positional pressure. Pilot, don't you know it's your job? Positional pressure. Well, Pastor Mike, I really wouldn't do that stuff, but it's my job. I'm in sales. It's what they do. Everyone travels. They're out of state. They're out of town. It's what all the guys do. I'm in sales. I'm in trucking. I'm in traveling. I'm in business. I'm in all of my uncles and cousins and grandpa does it. It's just, it's just something we do. Every, you know, we, 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 we just have these places and spaces where what happens there is what stays there. Come on, pilot. Come on, pilot. You know better. Positional pressure. He's dealing with pietistic pressure. It's probably my favorite word of the whole message. 
I've met pious people. A lot of them. If you are pietistic by definition, it means someone marked by overly sentimental or emotional devotion to religion. I've met people that love rules and regulations more than they love Jesus. And they will happily tell you that. I've met people who would love to be a bodyguard of a church much more than they want to be a worshiper of Christ. They will do whatever it takes. They actually come to Pilate in one instance in this story and they tell him, we have a law. We have a law. And the law says this man, meaning Jesus, he needs to die because we have a law. There's a lot of pietistic pressure. I've met people that will tell me, Pastor Micah, my family, they, they would not be happy if they knew I was going to be baptized. They would not be happy if they knew I was doing all of this worship, emotion, tears, ministry moments. I couldn't even give you a number of the amount of people that would say certain things to me like that. Religion's a powerful thing. You know, there are people that probably won't attend a lot of churches over Easter because they have been so hurt by pietistic people. People that told them, you're not welcome if you're divorced. You're not welcome if you have a recorded past. You're not welcome if you've done. There are some people that have been so hurt by pietistic pressure that are sitting all around this planet right now. They are sitting in vehicles, they are sitting in houses, they are sitting on jobs, and the greatest hurt at the core of who they are is this. If there is one thing that is holding them back from the cross, it's this. They were told you can't come here unless you dress a certain way. You can't come to Christ unless you have church clothes. And then if you come, this and this and this. And, and along the way, pietistic pressure has a way. Not just getting to Pilate, but to you and I. John 18 is one of my favorite snips of the entire Easter stories in these two verses. It's so powerful. I've not read this. I've not shared it before. When we were reading that day, these two verses jumped out to me and they've not left me since. I, I can't think of a day the last few weeks these two verses don't come to my mind at some point. Here they are. Pilate. Everyone say Pilate. Pilate then went back inside the palace. He summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Look what Jesus said. Is that your own idea? Wow, this is so powerful. Or did others talk to you about me? So if we had time today for me to show you all of the times Jesus didn't talk, didn't say a word, 
maintain silence. But here, he decides to say something. That's powerful in and of itself. And when he says something, he's asking a man, I want to know, is that your own opinion? Or are you only saying that because of the pressure point? Are other people talking to you? People can have opinions about a company, a church, a restaurant, a business, a person. And if I was to ask them, have you ever met them? Have you ever attended that church? They'll tweet about it, they'll post about it, they'll say things. They will draw conclusions. I've met people before that, that would say, you know, for example, story side, you know how big churches are. Well, tell me, what, what, what are big churches? Well, what are big churches? Mm, I don't know. I, you know, shallow. Organized. You know, they, they're going to have these, all they care about is numbers. And they'll start saying certain things that if I was to ask them like Christ asked Pilate, is that your own opinion or did someone talk to you? Because in reality, a lot of people don't really know. People will start posting and sharing like, I think Joel Osteen's a money grabber. I think Joel Osteen is... Have you ever talked to Joel Osteen? You ever spent time with Joel Osteen? Angel and I had the opportunity a few times. Did you know he personally lives just off of book sales? You know, he stays after his final service for three or four hours with a brown, like, bag lunch kind of a thing and edits his own TV program. And he does it himself still with a lunch on a table. You know, after church, he will stay for one hour final service at the same spot and shake hands with thousands of people until they have left because he doesn't want someone who has driven or came to miss the opportunity to meet him or say, good message. I'm not saying he's perfect. I've never met a perfect pastor. I'm just asking, is this your own opinion? You see how easy it can happen in life? You see how easy you can start hating people, hating a restaurant, hating a business, hating an employer? Well, you know how that guy is, and you know how that woman is, and you know, well, do you really know? Or are you caught, Pilate? Come on, Pilate. Come on, Pilate. Are you caught in the crowd? They tell the story of an old carnival headliner nicknamed Cannonball. In his younger days, he had blasted out of a cannon 1,200 times. When asked by a newspaper, why did you do that? He replied, do you know what it's like to feel the applause of 60,000 people? Here's the reality, story side. It is better to walk alone than to walk with a crowd that is going in the wrong direction. Luke tells us this about the story from the angle of Pilate. Luke 23, verse 17. Look at the progression of what Pilate is saying. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. So release him. He wants to release him. Verse 20, wanting to 
release him. So here it is again. He wants to release him. Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he spoke to them, why, what crime is this Uh, has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished, and then I will. Here's the third time. I want to release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently, insistently, insistently demanded, have a drink. Just come. Just stop by. Come on over. It's not that big of a deal. Just go. Just say. Just be part. And their shouts prevailed. He tried. He tried. They kept. Pilate finally. He tried. They kept. Pilate finally. Verse 24. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. So Pilate decided, can we read that verse together, verse number 24? So Pilate, their demand became his decision. I think this is potentially one of the saddest parts of the story. That their demand, Junior, became his decision. Some of, the, some of the worst decisions that we will ever make in life are the ones that we allowed others to make for us. I don't tithe. Why don't you tithe? Well, my family said, I'm not, I'm not going to give all my money so some pastor can take it and thief and You know, I was talking to my friend once, and he said 10 years ago that he saw some guy that was like counting the money, like one for the church, one for the preacher, one for the church, one like one. Well, I was, you know, the other day working out, and there was this one guy. Some of the worst decisions that we will ever make in life are the ones that we allowed others to make for us. Adam, you need to forgive them. Well, I don't know if I can. My mom was telling me, like, if it was me, I wouldn't forgive them. If it was me, Adam, I wouldn't do it. If it was me, can I say it to you for a third time? Whatever it is that you know better, you know better. Some of the worst decisions that we will ever make in life are the ones that we allowed others to make for us. As we close today, maybe like Pilate, You've made bad decisions. Would anyone be bold enough, eyes wide open? It's not like every eye closed, no one looking around, eyes wide open. You would raise your hand if you've made bad decisions. Maybe like Pilate, you've been pressured. You've been pressured. Maybe you ignored warnings. I couldn't tell you how many times that angel's been right. And most of them, she'll tell me. I told you. So she tells me. It can be two or three months later, and she'll be I told you. He's on the judgment seat. 
and his wife sent a message, don't do it. Maybe you've had a spouse or a family member or a pastor that told you to do something and you blew right through the stop sign. And maybe you, like Pilate, ignored warnings. Maybe you caved to the crowd. You caved to the crowd. I'm not going to stand up here and say that it's easy to always be anti the pressure of the crowd because I know, years and years into this, I know it's not easy. But here's the good news. Isaiah 53 and 6 says, The Lord laid on him the iniquity, meaning Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Kelly referenced that in communion today. In the Bible, there's sins of omission. There's sins of commission. There's sins that you're aware that you're committing. There's sins that you're unaware you're committing. There are sins or mistakes or decisions that you're knowledgeable about, but there's also times that you're naive about them. But that good news is that Jesus wasn't just born. He didn't just die for the times that you and I didn't know what we were doing. He also died for the times that we knew better. He died for the times that you and I would be rebellious. He died for the moments when you and I would act ignorantly. Jesus died for the times that we would willfully sin. He died for those moments when you're feeling condemned, like, what was I doing? What was I thinking? I I can't believe. And even in those moments where you're feeling condemned, head on your pillow, maybe driving in your vehicle, Here comes the love of God because Romans, the writer said, the love of God doesn't just show up at the high places of your life. It shows up in the low when you knew better, when you didn't listen, when you forged ahead. He died for those moments as well. Jesus died for all of the pilots on the planet. There's a lot of us. And I would tell you today that I personally am so thankful for all of the times that God forgave us, even when we knew better. Whether you know that you've done it or you don't know that you've done it. Some of those sins of omission that you're not even aware that you could have handled that better. God can forgive us of all of it. Not some, not most. Laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. As we get ready to pray today, here's the reality. If we took time, we started with just a phone. We started with social media posts. But way beyond that, that's just knowledgeable to man. Man looks on the outward appearance. Can you imagine if today... God looked at our heart. He does. I would venture to say that everyone in this room and online, I would venture to say that every single person has crossed the line. You crossed the line in pride. Maybe it was pietistic. That religious spirit. 
Maybe you cross the line by looking, seeing, it's the lust of the eye. Maybe you cross the line in what you said. The Bible says, let no, no, no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Maybe you cross the line in words or gossip or slander. I don't know what way today you'd be convicted. Conviction is a good thing. You know that, right? Not condemnation. The enemy wants you to feel condemned. God's word, God's spirit wants to convict us. Conviction's not a bad thing. I'm thankful for conviction. That means God sees more in you. He says, you can do better because I'm going to help you. Maybe today as you're listening to God's word, you're thinking, man, I have really crossed the line. I went through the warning signs. I went through the gut checks. I went through the pressure of the crowd. I've crossed the line. As we get ready to pray today, I celebrate the fact that not only have you and I crossed the line, but heaven crossed the line. Jesus crossed the line. He came from eternity to time. He crossed the line to hang on a cross because he knew that all had sinned. He knew that we had crossed the line. And he said, I've got to come get them. I've got to save them. I've got to rescue them. And he crossed the line and came as a spotless lamb to die for you and I. Maybe you feel like you're too far gone. You've done way too much. But here's the good news. I don't believe there's one person that's outside of the reach or the arm of the Lord. I had a lady in the lobby just a few weeks ago. Her name was Jeanette. She was crying so hard she could hardly talk. And she told me, she said, Pastor Micah, I've had a lot of people tell me that I've done too much. There's no way God could save me. She's probably... I don't want to guess ages, but she was up in years. She said, I've had people tell me, Pastor Micah, I've gone too far. He can't get me. I put my arm around her. I called Pastor Chris and I put my arm around Jeanette. And we led her in the prayer to accept Jesus Christ right back here on a couch in the lobby. <laughs> Is there anyone that's thankful today that even when you knew better, you knew better, you knew better, you knew better, is there anyone that's thankful today that Jesus died even for the times that you knew better? You knew better. If you would close your eyes today, give us the chance to pray at 10.09. Maybe you're like Jeanette and you're thinking, I have gone too far and I have done too much. Here's what I want to be very clear about. I'm not, I'm not telling you to stay there. You don't want to live your whole life as Pilate. Knew better, knew better, knew better, knew better, knew better. No, you need to change. You don't, you don't change so you can measure up. I think that's where we go wrong. It's not like you change so you can prove some point to religion. No, you change because God's grace is so amazing. He doesn't leave you where he finds you. He will give you grace in that moment. He will find you at the deepest, darkest places. But then he helps you get out of there. 
He helps you grow. And if you're here today and you know, maybe it is in your mind or heart, maybe it's in your actions or attitude, but you know better, there's some things in your life that fall in that know better category, and you don't want over this Easter season to stay in the place that you're in. You're asking God today, would you cross the line? Would you help me? Would you help me be the best man, the best woman that I can be? I don't want to live my life knowing better and not changing. I actually want to know better, and I want your grace and mercy to help me change. For some, that's leaving sin or shame. For others, it could be leaving that pious attitude. Maybe you've become too religious. For others, it could be leaving that communication, the words, the slander, the gossip. I, I don't know what your no better, I don't know what your no better admission is today, but this is a great moment right now to confess or to admit or to tell God, I want you to help me. If that's you today, I just want you to put your hand on your heart. Put your hand on your heart and you have a conversation with Christ right now. Would you do that? Have a conversation with Christ. Tell him where you want to get better at. It's going to take some honesty on your part. Take the mask off. Just, just take the mask off and start telling him. I want you to help me with, and then begin to tell him, what do you want help with? Your anger? What do you want help with? Lust? What do you want help with? Wrong attitude? Unforgiveness? This quiet moment right now, just tell him. Is it peace? Have you let fear slip in? Maybe it's a doctor's report. Maybe it's your finances, but you've, you've let fear slip in. Here's the reality. God has not given us a spirit of fear. He didn't die so we would live in fear. He came so that we could have peace, righteousness, peace, and joy. If you need him to cross the line and give you peace today or rest today, Whatever it is, just tell them, God, I, I pray right now that you would help me with, with my fear, with my shame, my anxiety. The Bible says, be anxious about nothing. I'm giving you scriptures for this stuff. If you're struggling with anxiety, tell them, I, I want you to help me. You said I don't need to live anxious. I want you to help me today. I cross the line. I forge ahead. I... I want you to help me today. I want to be a better person. I want to grow. I know it's not New Year's Eve and all kinds of promises. I know it's April, but we could have a New Year's Eve moment right now at the beginning of April where you would say, I've still got a long time left in 2019. I want to grow this year. I want to be better this year. God, I thank you today for everyone that I've noticed, whether they're crying, whether their hands are on their heart. I see couples praying together. I thank you as a pastor today for forgiving us. We were born in sin, and I thank you for coming to be the Savior of the world. But as a pastor, I also want to tell you personally, and as someone who leads these amazing people, I want to tell you today how thankful I am 
for all of the times that you forgive us when we knew better. We've done things we shouldn't have done. We said things we shouldn't have said, but you didn't leave us there. You didn't let us go. It wasn't like you scolded us and said, you knew better. Actually, you showed up. You forgave us. You gave us another opportunity. And I just want to tell you today how thankful I am. I want to tell you how thankful I am for all the times that you've given us grace, even when we knew better.